Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English, mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. On all your bags, thanks to Jack. Got them out, Miss Weber, back on the board. SP Futures up 42, NASDAQ Futures up 199. We're trying to trying to bounce back. We had a uh, uh, bounce back on the close last night pretty heavily. We were down. We had stuff like Apple Trade nipped under 140. Now, this morning it's back up to 144.94. There were some really big sell-offs yesterday during the day, and we came we came back from that. And now we're trying to push forward this morning. We'll see if. Uh, We'll see if we do. We've got Bitcoin back over 30,444 up 1909. I wonder, well, I always wonder if there was a save made yesterday by somebody, but, um, you know, we'll see. We've got some pretty, pretty dramatic drops in a lot of these stocks that, uh, really hurting, uh, really hurting a lot of modern investors more. I mean, we've got the S&P down maybe, I'm thinking yesterday was down 17, the QQQs were down uh, 25, but some of these other stocks are down 70, 80%. A lot of the stuff that was in the the COVID kind of stocks. Kevin, you up on all this stuff, bud? I, I am, and it looks like everything's up a little bit today. So all the economic woes of Monday through Thursday are over. They're in our rearview mirror, and all is well. We found the bottom. We're in. We're good. <laughs> it's, uh, I like the optimism. That sounds yeah. good for a Friday. Up, yeah. is, is and, a, and the Cubs are going to the World Series. Yes, <laughs> it's somewhat of a more of a observer from the outside. Maddie, when you listen to the, I don't know if you do listen to CNBC or to Bloomberg and stuff, do you get the feeling that they're really calling a bottom or they're, or they're just tired of the selling and they just want it over with so they go back to the other stuff? Good question. I think uh, they're, they're, it's the cheerleading network. I think that's what the C stands for, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're praying that it's the bottom because uh, it's, it's depressing. I have it on in the background throughout most of the day. I, I wouldn't say I watch it closely, but it's on in the background just to kind of check in. And occasionally they'll have an, uh, a segment that interests me, and I'll I'll pop up the volume. Uh, but it's it's doom and gloom, and has been for uh, for several months. And I, you know, anyone listening to this show has known this was kind of coming for the last couple of years. We didn't know exactly when, but uh, it's it's not good, and who knows how long it's going to last. Well, once once the selling starts to take place, and once the the losses pile up, and you start getting margin problems. It's 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 really what was the uh, what was the, the, the was the Shakespeare term or who uh, cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war and you never exactly know what happens once you start a war once you start a big sell off it's really hard to keep track of the, of the, of the people getting burned because you know ne- you never know what little old lady or little old guy managed to buy you know heard some tout on TV and buy you know hundred shares of this at at two hundred now it's trading ten or twenty or something and. Uh, you know, there's pain. The good news is they probably didn't buy it on margin. Um, 
but a lot of people they, they their whole life is on margin. I mean, you never even how much buying power do I have, and it's that's what you do. But I mean, it's not as bad as the futures markets, but it's still even though you have the slip margin. I went through this all yesterday, so no need to do it again. You have the margin, the initials fifty, and the maintenance is thirty. So if you buy something that goes down right away, you don't have to cough up more money, but you got to be mindful of that at thirty percent. But then you look at the stuff like. I mean, this, uh, yesterday, I mean, we had, we had, where are we? We were Friday. Tesla traded 809 on Wednesday morning. And somewhere yesterday, it traded under 700. Well, hell. That's, that's like a long way in a big stock in, in one day. And now it's back up to 765. This guy's pledging his Tesla stock. For the Twitter. Now, the Twitter deal's on hold. Plen- pending yeah, I was going to say, is that why Tesla's, Tesla's stock yeah. is up? Well, it's because they're, they're afraid, they're uh, not concerned, or there's less concern that he'll close the Twitter deal, and if he close, doesn't close the Twitter deal, then um, uh, the uh, it won't dilute the, uh, the value of the Tesla stock. Well, I was uh, I had a adult beverage last night with one of the guys from one of the big trading firms, and I think Twitter's one of their stocks that they trade. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't. It's not none of my clients have it, so I don't really. Other than the news, I don't pay that much attention to it. Other people tweeting, I mean, obviously, pay attention to that. But you know what, Kevin? <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I, I don't know why. I'm, I'm gotten to be such a conspiratorial ass. I don't know, but all of a sudden, the guy's saying, you know, the stock went up to what was the takeover price supposed to be? Like fifty four or something? I think it was. Like, I, I think it was fifty four. Somebody knows exactly. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, so the thing runs up to like fifty four. But there's always two pieces of the option pricing. Well, there's actually five variables, but let's, we, we, we think we all know the strike price and the time to expiration and the interest rate, uh, which leaves, uh, the price of the stock and which leaves the volatility number. You know, how much is it going to move? What are the chances of it moving? Um, so the stack gets up to, it never really got to 54, I don't think. Got pretty close. It might have, but, uh, the point being is the volatility comes out of it because it's it's kind of a done deal. I mean, why why would you why would you, you know, buy a call option think it's going to seventy five when the guy's going to buy it at fifty four and the company agrees to it pretty much? All of a sudden, this guy's telling me, "Hey, what's with this Twitter?" All of a sudden, the volatility's creeping up. I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "All these options are starting to get priced again, like this deal's done, not done." Sure enough, this guy comes out yesterday and he's talking. He, he talks about. Uh, Pending details on fake accounts. So I've got it down. Uh, set, well, it was seven bucks. It's paying thirty-eight forty-one. Let me let me see where the damn thing topped out. I'm gonna say it got to fifty-three or something. But uh, now, from what we know about Elon Musk, and I, you know, and I don't know the man personally, but I will say this: he's got the biggest mouth of anybody in the business that hasn't somehow been stifled by the SEC. Actually, he has been stifled by him, and they just he just keeps he's so big he just keeps doing stuff. I mean, sort of like the um, the um, guard who uh, travels every single time he gets the ball and dares the rest to call it every time. Yeah, uh, I got it trading fifty one seventy on the twenty fifth of May. It was it was more than that a year ago, but it also gotten down to thirty two before he came out with this. See, you can't tell me <laughs> that somehow this didn't leak two or three days ago when all of a sudden the option buying that something was happening and this guy didn't keep his mouth shut. So, well, and where where would it have, where would it more likely have leaked? Would it have leaked out of the um, Musk camp, or would it uh, would it have leaked out of the Twitter camp? Well, there's a lot of people at Twitter were quitting. We saw that yesterday. Yeah. So somewhere, he, maybe they were asking questions. The claim here is 
uh, these details on fake accounts, whatever the hell that means. Uh, so, well, what I'm getting at is is, is this, and, and I, I, I can talk about the fake accounts yeah. if you want. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that Musk is pretty much an entity unto himself, and I don't think he shares a lot of information with others. Uh, you know, other than what what you know what he might blurt out at any given time. But uh, but I mean, you know, I don't think he has an inner circle that knows everything he does. Um, but. Uh, there, there is a uh, management team at Twitter that would be very much uh, in in the loop about uh, you know anything that might be going on to queer the deal. So when he started asking about the fake accounts and these guys, the questions got harder and harder. Those guys had a feeling that maybe the deal was getting screwed. And it, it could be. It could, I mean, that that this is as speculative as saying that Musk let it out. So well, yeah, I agree. But somebody take, take it for what it's worth. But, you know, I, I, I don't know where it would have come, uh, you know, who, who would have been the source of the leak. <clears throat> but I, th- I think there's lots of, uh, lots of possibilities there. Well, right now the stock's $9 billion below must purchase price. That's a little, that's a number, as you like to say. Yeah. Um, but these, these, these numbers on some of these stocks, of course, some of the guys I was talking to were telling me how much they're down in their portfolio. Because they got a lot of these stocks, you know, the younger people. Or the, you know, these were the stocks that were moving, so these these are the things you were in. I did some uh, some research, and you, Kevin, we've talked from time to time. And matter of fact, your buddy Flanagan was quizzing me yesterday on the show regarding you know what, what do I think is wrong with all this stuff? Why is why is this stuff happening? And what the hell's going on? And it is it's a it's a very big subject, by the way. But to look at this Palantir, here's a uh, I'm just going to lie about what happened here and. Uh, you know, I have some opinions. I honestly don't know the answer, to be honest with you, Kevin or Maddie. But there's something weird here. Now, here's Palantir uh, uh, Technologies, their financial statements from 2018 to 2022. Maddie, we reported when these guys went public. Didn't, didn't they have some big deal with the government or some crap, and it was a it was kind of a weird IPO to begin with? I, I, I think there was something. The thing has been somewhat controversial really since day one, but I haven't I have not followed them, okay? But... The uh, if you look here on their on their income statement, the last um, since 2018, I've got in- income after taxes or I've got operating income. They've never made a dime. They've never made a dime. Six hundred twenty-three million one year, five seventy-six the next, a billion the next, four eleven. So they've they've got they got they got no 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 dough here, uh, no scratch anywhere, right? So. I don't. I don't see how the stack. Let me get the stack up here. Um, the uh, the stack has has gone up and now. Of course, it's way down. Uh, PLTR. That, that would be the guys. Um, stack is trading seven fifty three, and I've got a, a chart here. It says they were as high as twenty seven bucks. All right. So, and I'm not sure exactly how many shares they have outstanding, but. So the, I, I, I'm guessing the IPO price was higher than what it is right now. That, that's just a guess. But now here's an article. They're all over the place, but this is in Seeking Alpha. That the the, the people who are in charge of the place have sold 127 million shares since September of 2020, and they've uh, the share sales amount to roughly 2.3 billion dollars. Now these were options at uh, two dollars a share. And they claim, well, they had to do it because 
the options had a uh, an expiration date on it. Okay, well, well, who put the expiration date on it? They did. Duh. And uh, so, how how exactly, if you are a um, a shareholder, you you've got to be, if ever, you're two decades from ever getting a dividend. Okay, uh, the stock price is probably lower than you bought it, and yet here's ten mopes that are up two point three billion dollars. Tell me, tell me, and one, and some of them are directors. So, the, so obviously, the, the 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 board of directors are in on the game. So they claim it was. This is almost like nine percent of the stock. So they've they've essentially diluted the stock by nine percent by by exercising these options, because then this, the company has to give them money or stock at two bucks, right? And they go sell it in the open market. So they're up. The the guys that are in charge are up two point three billion in no sh- This sounds like some kind of restaurant deal, doesn't it? T- tell me how this is legit. Well, I can't. Well, we've talked about this uh, before. It's it, you know, it's this idea that there's um, you know there's compensation and there's enrichment, and they aren't necessarily the same things. The, uh, the and, they're too. And, you know, the whole idea behind uh, um, stock options is supposed to be that they're good for the shareholders because they're incentive for management to increase the value of the uh, of the company. But it doesn't work out that way. It, it doesn't. It seldom works out that way. Let's put it that way. Why? Why do you suppose? I mean, again, I, I'm just kind of close to the heart because uh, uh, in one of the classes at University of Chicago, we spent a lot of time on this, and it's really hard to do. Is designing executive uh, compensation packages to to do just what you want to. So somebody does what you want them to do. So they they take a long term view. They do this and that. And it seems like every single thing you think of, Kevin, there's there's a way to screw around with it if you're a screw around with it kind of guy or girl. Right, and and so you're going to get exactly the behavior that is most rewarded. Well, you would you would think that you are unless you uh, unless you just have these uh, really extraordinary people running the company who uh, are, are willing to go by the, the spirit of the uh, uh, of the compensation package rather than the uh, uh, the but if you, the 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 idea is that you have this board with all these public directors on it that essentially are supposed to be smart enough to, to you know they're 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 too old a cats to be screwed by kittens that that's their job right do they ever do it that's why uh, you, you I'm that's what think of an instance yeah I mean, yeah, I've, yeah I'm you know, sure I've, I've, I've worked at some at some pretty good places but it's yeah I, I get what you're saying Tom it's not uh, you know, board, some, many boards are just—they're they're not that active. They, you know, they they cash the check. Uh, they make sure everybody knows that they're on a board uh, because it's supposedly prestigious, and um, yeah, and that's you know that's what's behind it. Well, but you know what I've there noticed. Are, you know, there there are um, there are good boards. Most of them are you know much much smaller uh, uh, companies that may be traded on Nasdaq, but there are good boards out there. Right, so these guys have a billion shares outstanding. So the stock went from being worth uh, twenty-seven billion down to seven, which you know that's a ways. And uh, so they have they have essentially what's the nine the, uh, percent? Well, right now they're worth seven billion. 
So these guys cashed in what a third of the of the entire company's value today. That those numbers I, I can't. on behalf of the shareholders, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, but you know what the weird part is, Kevin, is that we, in this class at uh, University of Chicago, again, one thing I'll, I'll accuse professors of, and I, I love to tease. Uh, now Russell's different because <laughs> Russell just became a professor because Russell's been in. He, he's in the option industry. He, he knows. Yeah, he was in the uh, real world. He was in the real world. I, I don't know. Is the option industry the real world? Well, he was with and a I, lot of that. Isn't either. Well, he wrote some books, and he's been in the. You know, he's been worked for a couple of think tanks. So he, he knows. He knows a lot of the, the 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 players, good or bad. Let's put it that way. But the other guys, I love giving hell, knowing to grief about uh, you know being being in the in the ivory tower, which I don't think hell really is. But you know, what we we never thought about at the uh, the University of Chicago. It's like, it's like I talk about Milton Friedman all the time, and I say, in his mind, these people were not crooks. They were they were just you know the, the people around the Federal Board at the time, Federal Reserve Board, just didn't didn't know the study that he was doing. And if they would have seen it all, they would have acted differently. And his his job was to try and go out to Washington and write papers and send it to them and try and educate them. And the, the thought, well, I'm not in the guy's brain, but it never seemed to me like the like the thought ever crossed his mind. That they were just pandering to people who were telling them what to do. Now, as I've aged and see more of the real world, maybe than Milty ever did, uh, I'm going to say that I think that's these guys are constantly beholding to people who are pushing them around. Now, and, when, and during this class, it always was: uh, how does the board design a compensation package for the president so that the president doesn't pollute the river, doesn't do this, doesn't do that? So you had it so that you didn't really have to watch him so close because his compensation package drove him the right place. The long-term view of the company over many years, which usually meant that you had to be nice to the environment, had to be nice to the people, had to be nice to the neighborhood, because over a long period of time, if you aren't, that ends up costing you money. Even on a, a purely non-altruistic level, People knew even back then that if you pollute the stream and save yourself a hundred grand, it's going to cost you someday a million to to clean it up. So it was a, it was bad business. All right. So, but the one thing we never thought about we they none of us. How do you judge the board? What what if what if the the guy just puts the board in on the same formula he's got on a crummy formula? We we never once said what if the board people are crooked or dumb. Ever. So we were idiots. Well, I, I'll salute that. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> but I'm saying that I mean, you, 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 we always assume that somebody somewhere, and, and the, all, everywhere in the, this is the weird part, Kevin, we, we talk, we dance around this topic all the time, you and I and John and Lou, uh, there always was a, a an assumption that if you were a, a rookie financial analyst, if you were Matty Weber piling out of business school, and all of a sudden he's decided to go to night school and he's going to, that if you did the right analysis and you realized the company was going the wrong way, that if you could just make it up to a certain level to senior management, that you would run into what the Jewish people return, refer to as a mensch or somebody who was a, uh, or, the, or a renaissance man. If you got to the right person high enough up that these people were, were moral, they'd look at it and go, God, Matty, this is, this is a hell of a deal. I didn't realize we were going down this road. Let me check it out. And all of a sudden, you get a promotion, and the company change. I mean, that that there was this there was this huge. At some level, people were moral and legit. That that was the absolute assumption of the entire business school over there in the economics department. 
And I'm going to say that that assumption sucks. <laughs> that's well, not what that I've ever said. Assumption is consistently wrong, but as I said earlier, it's not a hundred percent wrong. No, no. And and I can cite that you know from um, you know the, uh, uh, the president of a mid-sized bank who was you know all about uh, being ethical, and and the debt was you know he, he's the one of the most ethical people I've ever met in my life. Um, and and unfortunately we. Uh, we lost him last year, um, but um, his name's Ar- Arnie Weaver, and Arnie was fantastic. Um, but uh, I-, I will also say uh, that uh, you know I go back to my days at uh, at Aon when I was in Chicago, and he would have been late eighties. And you know you get a, a senior level person like Bob Foy, who again insisted on uh, you know ethical behavior and uh, and, and doing things right and. You know that was a, that's a it was a huge company, so it, it's out there. It, you know, there's there's people like that. There just aren't enough of them. Well, it brings in the question. I understand that uh, um, the, the lady I went to see uh, uh, a little benefit for her last week at Blue Island, uh, Karen Norrington Reeves. She's running for uh, Bobby Rush's spot. You know, there's 17 Democrats in the primary and like five or six Republicans. There's 20 some people going for that spot. Cool. Now. I, I, Plug it out. Well, I don't have my, well, I don't know where Mr. Flanagan probably knows or Brendan. Uh, is there no runoff there? I don't think there is. I don't know how they do it. So, all right, so a district, there's 16 districts. Do the math in my head here. We got, what, 8 million people in the state, maybe, roughly? Uh, so that's half a million. More than that. Okay, well, so let's say half a million people that are voting age of district, which is probably high. There's 12.7 million in Illinois. Uh, according to Google. All right, so that's 700,000 people a district. If Right? Something like we got 16 of them? 750? Something like that, yeah. So, okay, we got 750, uh, 500,000 are of voting age. Um, so you got uh, how many show up for a primary? 30%. All right, so we're down to 150,000 people. 17 people on, on one. So half of them are Democrats. They say two-thirds of them in that district are Democrats. So we're down to what, 150,000 people voting maybe in the Democratic primary? Maybe 100? So how many votes do you need to win? Eight? Ten? Oh, you've got to get at least into double digits, Tom. you got to get 12,000, 15, something like that? <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, what a scrum that's going to be, 17 people. I mean, how do you, anyway, so... Does well, Illinois do runoffs? I can't ever remember. I, I don't think they do on prime. Well, they do on for the mayor. The mayor now mm-hmm. does not run Democrat-Republican. It's just you run for mayor. And the top two people there, if somebody doesn't get 50%, then they they, they do the runoff. That's because Lloyd when Roy, Roy ran against, uh, what's your name, Tony Preckwinkle, right, Manny? That's and, right. And, uh, the battle of the Titans, wasn't it? Yeah, well, because they just... Because she only got 95,000 votes in the primary. Yeah. Lori has become the first mayor that in my lifetime where everyone uh, doesn't like her. Yeah. The unions don't like her. The police don't like her. The uh, super far left doesn't like her. The far right doesn't like her. Old people don't like her. Young people don't like her. Black people don't like her. Uh, I've never seen anything so that, like that her. That either means that um, she is like one of the world's worst people or she's doing everything right. <laughs> right. Well... I, uh, there's a reason why Ram left. <laughs> That's what I've always said. I think that, I think it's a, almost an impossible job, and Ram realized it and was like, "Screw this." Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think I think Daly left him with a uh, you know an economic pickle, and uh, 
I don't see how they ever going to get their way out of it. I really don't. Well, and you know what Daly what Daly did really well was he he was an extraordinary puppet master. He could keep everybody at least a little happy. He he was good at throwing bones at uh, you know different people's way, and uh, you know so he he didn't he didn't totally lose any constituency uh, that, that he really needed to keep, and uh, you know Lori just it, it, she doesn't have that kind of political acumen. She, she just is not skillful when it, when it comes to dealing with other people. And she's got this thing going where and uh, the, the Attorney General, just because she's the same skin color, people think of them as a team, but I don't think they're a team at all. I don't uh, think anyone's on her team. Like yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone's on her team. But, but combined with her, the idea, the, 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 the impression is we, we will not put a black person in jail no matter how heinous the crime is. That's the impression. Between the between the three of them, uh, Kim Fox, her and Tony, uh, the, the the people are are afraid. We don't we can't deal with the homeless. We can't move anybody around. The police don't do anything. It's it's, it's absolutely down to a God knows what. But, but you know the weird part how this is all shaking out though, Kevin. We just got our thing from the building, and this is you know it's 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 we're a little firm, uh, good firm, but a little firm. We're, we've been this bu- we've been this building now, Matty. What we've been here what fifteen years maybe at least. And uh, it's not a type A office, but it's nice. Well, in the last two years, given with the COVID, there were times we were the only people in the place. There was times it was all boarded up. There isn't any place down here to have breakfast or anything. I cook every morning after the show for people. I mean, it's it, it's uh, the there's there's a little bit of life's coming back in this area. But we're, we were here because the exchanges are here. We would take people on floor tours. We do mic trading. Well, now the exchanges are useless. All my friends are gone. So they, this, the building says, well, here's your new lease. It's 20% higher. You know, oh, like, because we have tax issues. I'm like... Yeah, it's not as good a building as it was anymore. <laughs> I'm like, and I said, Dan says, what are we going to do? And I said, Dan, we don't have to be here anymore. I mean, we used to have like 10 employees that all took various trains. And we're down to like four or five people. I mean, we do more managed money now than we do brokerage, so they don't need as many people putting orders in. And plus we have people that retired. And our, our futures guy died, you know, but, uh, so, but we still do futures, but still he, I mean, really? I mean, they want a 20% increase. I mean, what, what planet are these people on? Then the place has got to be 80% empty, Kevin. And, and it's probably not their fault. Well, it may not be, but, you know, there's clear, a uh, clear misunderstanding of how markets work. Uh, yeah, SP futures up 42, NASDAQ futures up 196. Be right back, Stacks to Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Lord, Jackson. I'm Tom Howe. He's Matt Weber on the board. Good to see Matty back here. Always, always great when he's here. SP Futures up 46. Is that Futures up 208? And uh, you're gonna be right in the middle of the farmers market tomorrow. The little ones first mar- farmers market, eh, Matty? Uh, there's a chance. Uh, we uh, haven't been to one this year. The weather's finally good, so uh, there's a possibility. What do they do? They must close down Damon, huh? Uh, they definitely do not close down Damon because uh, oh, they don't. No, it's uh, too too busy of a of a street. But the the whole Wicker Park, uh, which is just south of North Avenue on Damon, the actual park. Oh, okay, it's the other side, right? Not the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's that'll be full of uh, tables and. Local farms and local shops and local markets uh, selling stuff, and you know you can get like fresh smoothies there. You can buy a lot of produce. It's uh, it's pretty cool. They got little treats for Venkman. Uh, some some of them are frown upon dogs, and some of them are cool with dogs. I don't know. I haven't been to this one yet, so I don't know. I know at Lincoln Park, you could kind of bring your dog around the outside, but they would they would yell at you if you brought it brought oh, them in. Okay. So yeah, I, they got no fun. Yeah. Hey, SP Futures set up uh, 47, Nasdaq Futures up 211. We're going to the moon here today. It's good. We have the, the VIX is still over 30, 30.59. Adopt uh, Futures up 232. Uh, big story though, and the Twitter, they're still down, uh, where, where do I got the darn thing? It was down seven bucks because as Trump says, uh, 
Trump. Why do I keep thinking? Why do these guys remind me of the same person? I don't know what. That's a Freudian slip there of some kind. Get the Twitter deal on hold pending details on fake accounts. And one of you guys have to let me know exactly how a fake account uh, clears the deal, but I guess it must. Over in Asia, these guys have been down forever. Now, a big bounce back today. Nikkei up 678. That's up 2.6%. Shanghai up 29.1%, or a full 1%. Hang Seng up 518, 2.7%. So I'm thinking Hang Seng might, I don't think they're up on the week, but they're, they're probably pretty close. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 189, 1.4%. Again, these guys were down all week. Putsy up 113, 1.6. CAC around up 97, uh, 1.6 as well. Uh, bonds, uh, up 8 basis points to 2.90. The bond uh, back moving on the upside here to 0 0.90. It ducked under that after it being over a point for a little while. Uh, Japan never moves, 0.25. Uh, yesterday, we came back, we were down huge. So this Dow being down 100, I think it was down 600 at one point. So Dow was only down 100, S&P was only down 5, and I'm saying it was down 65. NASDAQ was up on the day, 673, and I think they were down, you know, close to 200. So it was a massive turnaround in the afternoon. Uh, oil, 164, 107.77, ran up 168, 109.13, natural gas up 10 cents, 784, looking back towards 8. Our Bob up another 9 cents, 388. So, Maddie, every Sunday, I don't fill the Suburban up thinking the prices might be down next week. Every week they're higher. So am I ever going to be right in this estimation, or should I finally just <laughs> fill the damn thing up? Uh, gold, still down 890, 1815. No matter how much inflation we get, it doesn't seem to affect gold. It's very strange. Silver unchanged at 2077. Copper down a penny at 4 bucks. And we've got crypto. we got Bitcoin back up over 30000 After nudging down, it caused people great consternation when it did 25000 don't forget that MicroStrategy and maybe some others have huge margin calls at 22. So uh, the market does not want this thing dropping much lower, even though, I don't know who the hell trades it. But anyway, it's another story. Maddie, what do you have for us? Trevi Weather Sports. Coming up on 38 minutes past the hour, good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we're off to a pretty good start on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. No issues at all on the Edens or Kennedy. Uh, same for the Eisenhower. Traffic starting to build on the Stevenson, but no accidents to report. Only crash on the expressways is on the Bishop Ford, outbound side at 159th Street. Uh, that crash has been moved to the right shoulder, uh, but it do- is causing a little bit of a slowdown down on the south side. Just south of that crash on the Bishop Ford, there's an accident, it looks like, on 394. I'm trying to pull this one up here. Here we go. Route 394 southbound, uh, just off of the I-94 at Kingery Expressway, uh, there is a crash as well. Off the expressways, one accident in the area. It's in the western suburbs, North Avenue, which is Route 64, right at Illinois 83. There is a crash. But everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, another sunny, beautiful uh, mid-May day today. Sunshine with a high of 80. Right now it's crystal clear and 72 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 97 today. Right now it's clear and 61. In sports, the White Sox had a 3-2 lead, then fell behind 7-4. Then Yoan Moncada cracked a three-run homer in the bottom of the seventh to tie it at 7-7. Joe Kelly got the first two guys out in the top of the eighth, and it looked like the Sox were poised to maybe come back and steal one from the Yankees. Then Kelly walks the bases loaded, and then the floodgates opened for the Yankees. They scored seven two-out runs in the top of the eighth tacked on another run for good measure in the top of the ninth and blew out the Sox 15-7 last night down at Guaranteed Rate Field. 
Sox and Yankees are back in action tonight for Game 2 of that series. Cubs were off last night, so were the Diamondbacks. Those two will square off tonight down in Arizona. That's an 8.40 Chicago time first pitch, and that's, this game will be carried on Apple TV+. Plus. And I don't know if that's exclusively Apple TV+, Plus. if there will still be a local option or not. I'll have to look I into that. I think there isn't. Uh, but, um, yeah, if you don't have Apple TV+, Plus, I guess you can't watch the Cubs tonight. I'll guarantee you I'll never have Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> Uh, I think we have it. Um, it's like four ninety nine a month because there's some good shows on there that we have, and I don't know if Jill got it for free or included in her Apple cell phone plan or something. I don't know, but somehow we have it, and there's a couple shows we watch, so I, I'll be able to watch the Cub game tonight. But a lot of people you, won't. Why don't you see if it's on the local? It probably isn't on the local. I, I'm going to look it up and see if it is. It, I, it's not on the local. The uh, White Sox have um, been on Apple TV. Twice and there is no local no local option with that. Yeah, that's right. The Sox they were they were on it, and so I guess it won't be. They, even though the Cubs have their own channel, they still won't be on Marquee. Yeah, it's it's MLB's deal, and they get a Friday. They get these Friday night games uh, that, uh, and and it's an exclusive for Apple. I'm sure they're getting paid quite a bit for it, but um, uh, so the the Cubs don't. You know, it's not like they're losing out on any anything from the revenue side, but boy, it just doesn't for for a sport that is really working hard. I don't know. Maybe this is the way they appeal to younger fans, but they're you know for a sport that is trying to uh, convince younger fans to um, to be part of uh, you know to to latch on to the game. It, they they just are not doing a lot of things that are going to build uh, massive audiences. The game last night. Um, I'm gonna say when did they get over eleven? I don't know. I was, I was watching after I was asleep. That's I, for sure. Yeah, I was watching. And, and by the way, that's the second time for the White Sox in the last week that the bullpen has had just a major collapse. <laughs> yep. Well, they very I, very big cause for concern. I uh, I, I asked myself, um, asked myself every time I'm watching them, I go, boy, I was invited to this game. It's it's the it's the fifth inning and it's and it's nine thirty. You know, I mean, I, I, I just can't be... Pitch last night, or was that the night before? What? I was... Cease pitch. Oh, well, last yeah, Cease pitched last night, and I think he struck out 11 guys. Out of but, the first 12. But he also, you know, was getting shelled. So yeah. when... <laughs> so it's when like... they hit him, they hit him yeah. hard. Exactly. So the, I'm, the, the issue with Cease is, because Tom's talking about the length of the game, is he goes deep in the count on just about every batter. And, um, you know, it just takes forever for his games to... Uh, well, the Yankees are, are perpetually and, slow, you know, too. I, I, I'd much rather watch Greg Maddox pitch and just let people put the bat on the ball well, <laughs> and you know, make their outs that way. I don't know if you saw the Hendricks game the other night in San Diego, but that was a that was a classic you know, Greg Maddox-style game where uh, he went eight and two-thirds, shut out baseball, three hits, uh, one walk, and was just masterful. It was a lot of you know, first pitch, second pitch, ground outs, and, 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 uh, and he, he was great. Yeah, I don't know. What I tell my students all the time that there's two things that offend me a lot, and one of them is bad management, and one of them is bad baseball, and and I mean it in both cases. Well, um, the thing- and, uh, and and you know, it, 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 I've seen a lot of bad baseball with the Whites. I mean, I expect to see it with the Cubs. <laughs> you know, they they have they have a lot of bad baseball players, but with, uh, right now with the White Sox, um, they are just they are playing bad baseball, and you know. They're not going to make a managerial change, and the whole reason that uh, that they wanted to hire Tony La Russa in the first place is because, you know, uh, of of Reinsdorf's long-standing lament about firing him along, you know, back in what the 
again. Well, they're they're, they're just not a very fundamentally sound team. The people that they are not they have on the team have just never been that way. It's not baseball is 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 so different. I mean, I'm not with uh, many iterations since the late '50s when I first started watching it as a little kid because I was always you know mesmerized by baseball and the the difference is there used to be people man there were, there were 20 game winners in triple a you know before you came to the majors there were there were you know that that'll never there were 300 hitters in triple a they were there for like two years and all of a sudden they bring them up and you're now the starter you know type of thing the idea that if you show any shred of talent let alone any fundamentals bringing somebody up after two weeks that didn't happen when you had eight teams in each league even when there were ten, well, it, it did. But I'm not going to lament that the sport no. has changed. It, 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 you know, it will. And and even the way, you know, the way rosters are managed and the numbers of pitchers and, and all. That's not what bothers me. It's it's you know just crappy baseball. You know, I, I'll yell at the TV if the other team's uh, yeah. outfielder misses the cutoff man. Uh, you know, it, yeah. just, it, it it annoys me to no end. And when I see, you know, pitchers throwing, you know, getting into situations and throwing non-competitive pitches, you know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, you, you miss the strike zone, you miss the strike zone. But when you're going, you know, you're going, uh, you're ahead of the hitter and you think you're going to entice him with a foot that's uh, um, 18 inches out of the strike zone, no, all you're doing is wasting, you know, wasting away a pitch. And that's, you know, that's useless. That's bad baseball. Chasing bad pitches over and over and over again. Again, every, again, everybody gets fooled once in a while, but people who are suckers for the same low and outside breaking ball, time after time after time, that's bad baseball. And that kind of stuff is, it just makes the game unwatchable, and it's too bad because it's such a beautiful game. Well, there's a lot of things that, um, well, two things I think that have to happen. And it, I, I to, to a certain extent, I enjoy, well, I was never good enough to play hardball at that level, but, uh, Softball is is way your fundamentals are way more important in softball than they are in hardball. When I say more important, you're, you're making a relay the same relay two, three, four times a game. So if you don't know how to do it, <laughs> you're going to screw yourself up for the whole. I mean, in baseball to be to be fair to these guys, like Steve Stone says all the time, the 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 real beauty of baseball is when the ball is in play. How good these guys are defensively, and how good the base runners are. And how you watch highlights and. Yeah. and you know, nine times out of ten, the highlight is going to be a um, uh, a defensive play. And I, but I'm going to say that um, a right field to third base relay with today's strikeout world is it once a week? Maybe. No, I think it's more frequently than every that. five games. I, I don't actually right right field to third base relays are relatively rare unless it's in the corner. Right, but I'm saying even center field home. I mean, but I'm saying, but all the, the, the idea where you do have to hit the cutoff man once in a while when you see it happen, it's a thing of beauty. The Cubs did that. Nico Horner threw a guy out a couple weeks ago. Maybe we talk, we're talking yeah. about. You're no, right. I, I think yeah. I see a lot of those. But I'm saying it, it, these are rare plays. I mean, I, you can go to a whole game and not see a good relay. I mean, it's not it's not like softball. It's every inning. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. But I get you, and that's and that's because. Clubs like you and me don't have the arm for it, so well, we have to get the cutoff man. <laughs> that's well, that's true. So, Kevin, we're, you think uh, we're not gonna, we're not going to overshoot? We got We got to talk about um, fake accounts and bots. Yeah. Okay. So, what, what, what does that all mean? I mean, I'm, okay. Uh, well, so well, well, let's let's just take a real simple example. Let's say um, I I, I want to create several Twitter accounts, so I just go ahead and create in a login for 
myself, one for Superman, one for Batman, uh, one for weekends. I'll 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 go with Wonder Woman. Um, only on weekends, though. And <laughs> you, you know, you get the idea. I, I have these multiple accounts now. Why would I do that? Um, the reason I would do that is because every time I post something, then I want Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman to go and hit like on it, and and build an impression that my posts are more popular, my tweets are more popular uh, than they really are. Uh, in the political world, and and Podesta was one of the big pioneers of this, um, you know, real real early on. In the political world, what you do is you don't just open three or four accounts. You can open a million accounts. And then all, all you do is you program your computer to do the work and to go through your list of accounts and one by one click like and uh, make that happen. Now, you can also do fake posts. You can do fake responses to uh, posts. You can um, you can you can uh, create responses that are critical to uh, opposing points of view and do them in, in large quantities. And so that's that's the concern is that you know Musk is looking at this and going, how many of these uh, how many of these uh, accounts are just fake that they're uh, accounts that others have set up and. Twitter has long maintained that they're less than five percent, and he may be discovering now that they are way more than five. But you don't, we don't, we don't pay per per account. So, what's the difference in terms of him thinking the place is worth less? If he wants to monetize it with advertising, it's going to have to be. Uh, is he going to reach fake accounts or is he going to reach real accounts? Um. Uh, oh, I, I'm with you, and, and where, where your math is, I'm just saying it's it's not like. Uh, you know, he expects, to, or does he expect to charge five hours an account next year? And all of a sudden, these people aren't going to pay. Maybe, maybe that's it. Well, maybe that's it. But boy, that that sure would. You know, it, I, I would. I was about to say that will clean up uh, a lot of these fake accounts because people aren't going to want to pay for them. But but the political uh, campaigns and such will be more than happy to pay for that. It, it'll just be a normal expense for them. <laughs> now let's let's talk about bots in the uh, malicious software world um, because one of the things that you can do and and uh, and, and this is done uh, it's a very common uh, practice is you compromise somebody else's computer and um, and there's lots of ways you can do that you know downloading something when they connect to a website uh, uh, getting at them you know hotels hotels and coffee shops are notorious or when you, you connect to their Wi-Fi, uh, if their Wi-Fi uh, server is um, is uh, compromised, then anybody who connects to it, they download their software on it, and and so now your uh, your computer, which would be referred to as a zombie, can be fired up at any time with a background program. You don't even know it's running; you just know your computer is running slow. Um, but uh, it, with a program in the background, and you tell it what to do. So, um, you know, I, I've seen them abused for uh, advertising clicks where someone may run. Uh, in fact, this was a scam that people got caught and thrown in jail. Um, they what, what they would do is overnight, they, they ran a website that, sold, uh, um, that depended on advertising for revenue. And so when you, and they got paid every time somebody clicked on an ad. Um, so they had their, they had uh, all these compromised computers. You come to their website, you, you know, they 
download some uh, software, and then in the middle of the night, they would have that computer come back to the website and start clicking on ads. And so now they were racking up all of this advertising revenue that was just fake. You know, it was it was uh, bot. But you can also use it maliciously to do things like uh, a denial of service attack. If someone decides they don't they don't like uh, stocks and jocks, so they're going to uh, and they have a hundred thousand computers compromised, then they just uh, their central command and control is going to say, "Okay, computers, I all I want you to go www.stocksandjocks.net." And just keep doing it nonstop, and the computer can do that pretty, you know, quite a few times per second, per minute, uh, whatever. And they bombard your website so that uh, the, so that nobody can get through because you just keep going, you know, ping it, ping it, ping it, or or uh, just go, you know, visit the website and you clog it up and nobody can get through. And if you were doing that to somebody who ran an e-commerce website. Um, they wouldn't be able to sell anything because none of their customers would be able to get through. So that's one way that you can do it. Another way that people will use bots is um, is for spamming. Um, you know, to, to just to send out more, uh, or excuse me, phishing, more phishing emails. Uh, there's lots of applications for it, but that's you know, Kevin, why that's do people part of what the fake account world is? And so when when people start talking about bots in politics. It's the same thing as you have, you know, when you see someone with 5 million likes, um, it, it may very well be that somebody has gone to Twitter or to Facebook or to wherever and uh, just told their bots to go ahead and hit this and like it. And they all have, uh, each bot has its own fake account. Or, or it, may be the, uh, it may be the computer owner's real account, um, but, the, uh, but because the computer's compromised, they can tell it to go hit like on this particular why, tweet. Why are people... People, uh, always an odd term, but why? I mean, two people have mentioned stuff to me. I, obviously, I listen to you all the time, but Maddie, my my one app on my phone is the parking meter app because Mr. Weber, who I trust, said you never want your credit card in one of those things, Chief. And I, to this day, I have not done that. That's my one app. And uh, but my buddy Dr. J, he's been on the show with us, um, said he was sitting in first class, of course. He puts his computer on and he gets his password and he's using the Wi-Fi. This is before, it's a long time ago. This is before, you know, you could damn near get all the, all the streaming stuff you wanted on your own for not very much money. So, I get in there and the guy next to him says, hey, would you like me to tell you your password? <laughs> I goes, what are you talking about? He goes, you're on a Wi-Fi network. See that lady over there? She just clicked in. Her, her password and he rattled it off. He goes, I can tell you everybody's password. As soon as you click in, if I'm in the network, I can tell you what you are and what you're looking at. And, I, I mean, I'm not, to this day, I have never once used the Wi-Fi. But I have a, a, a deal with whatever group I'm in, whenever I want to download something or look up the Cub score, I just I just do it myself. I'm not, I'm not telling people what to do. But if it's so obvious to just about to people that know what they're talking about, that these Wi-Fis are just a, a, a you know a circle bleep. Why why do, why does everybody can't wait to use somebody's Wi-Fi and save thirty cents? Free, yeah, because it's free, <laughs> uh, presumably. Yeah, I, but I mean, it, it's sort of like I was uh, sort of get back to the stocks part of stocks and jacks. I was talking to somebody last night, and we have, uh, you know, this is not not talking out of school, but some people, um, you know, we manage money for people, and I manage money from protected program for other places other than than PTI uh, and Wall Street Advisors, which is our uh, investment advisory firm. The uh, so one guy or a couple people 
they decide they're going to stay where they are. They don't want to put the money where normally the investment advisor actually trades the account, right? And the, and the person doesn't because you want to control the, you know, the, uh, I mean, if, if you're going to do a spread, I want to do it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, when you, especially in today's world when these markets have gotten wider where there's not near as many market makers. Um, if we put a spread in, I have somebody here, actually two people, in the, in the several places we do uh, positioning, um, that's that's what we do. If we do 25, 30 trades a day, which means encompass all these people, that's a real long day for somebody. Because if we're doing an option spread, we're buying one, selling another, we're putting in at a, at a price we want to put it. And sometimes we're moving it two, three exchanges, and it's we're changing prices, the stock moves. But it's to, to the, the execution is a huge part of the deal. Well, the world has decided since you can go someplace and get stuff really, really cheap, you know, whatever. Uh, you're, not, you're probably not going to find uh, free option trades, but the people have no concept, Kevin. So we get one guy decides he wants to have a consulting thing, and uh, I, I want no part of it, right? So I'm saying I'm out. And uh, well, but because he wants to do his own trades, so one of the dudes is telling me, he goes, "Yeah, I t- he's doing this spread," and I go, "Wait a minute, what, what do you mean spread? <laughs> does, does the guy even know how to put in a spread?" Well, no. I said, don't, don't tell me he's buying an offer and selling a bid like 400 times or something and, and, and not putting something in the middle. Well, he doesn't know how to put so I said, you, 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 you. now I know why the four and five people left in the world bringing markets to the trading floor are, Kevin, some of these people are up $100 million by May. It's incredible how much money people are making because the nobody talks to a broker, <coughs> nobody wants... A broker to charge them any money, they just blow this stuff in there and think that they're getting a bargain. Get it? Is, is the collective stupidity in this country reached reached an ep- epidemic level or what? You can cost yourself a lot of money saving money. Yes. I don't. I mean, I, I I can't even begin to understand that people with that much money can't do the math. That if I if I if I get these this trade and I do one and then the other, and somebody else could help me out making saving. You know, who knows what, depending on how crazy the money I mean, you're not going to save them that much in the spider because it's real, real narrow, or even in the queues probably, but something else. I mean, there are people on the trading floor, they, they wouldn't leg a spread for God's sake, and they're professionals. That's what they call legging a spread, doing one side and then the other. And, it, and I'm sitting there going, I, even if you just let me execute it for you, I, I can average you, you know, 25 cents probably in those stacks every single time. Oh, yeah, but this, this guy charges me 20 cents a contract. Well, duh, <clears throat> he's getting paid on the other side. What's the matter with you? I, Kevin, I, I'm, I'm giving up trying to, try, trying to reason with people on this stuff. I just, I don't know. Should, should I give up or keep trying? Uh, no, give up. Give up now. <laughs> live, live out your life in harmony. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't, I don't I mean, I mean, what you talk about, what Maddie talks about with the, you know, the things people do. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand the whole, by, by the way, my question for one of you guys, because all the stuff this week about the uh, the Bitcoin. Now, I know if you get in there, you can like, if you want to do something with a guy in Europe, or the, the, the mechanism is supposedly very good. I've never used it. Now, at the end of the day, if I want to get my money out, what do I have to do? The, the, if, if I bought my Bitcoin in one of these vending machines and put in a thousand bucks, I can't go to the vending machine and have the thing spit the thousand back at me. I don't think. Where, where do I have to go to cash out? You know, suppose I got ten bitcoins and they're thirty thousand to throw. Where do I get my three hundred grand? I think you just got to find a buyer. Well, but I'm just saying somehow or another it's got to get out of the system. 
Somebody has to convert Bitcoin to cash. Where, where's that? Uh, I don't know how it works because one of the few, one of the things that interests me least right now is um, is getting involved in cryptocurrencies. Well, I like the ones that these I, guys... Are, blockchain interests the hell out of me, but not, not, not cryptocurrencies. Well, the one is somewhat interesting uh, that I just heard about, and you guys, it's the one from Europe where they, they're trying to mimic the dollar and actually have other assets supposedly backing it up, bonds and yeah, things okay. like that. Well, I'll, I'll watch it and see what happens. But then, if you uh, can actually... If it gets interesting, then... then well, but if, you, if it actually has some... I, so what, I, what I'm really getting at, Tom, is that, you know, I mean, look, there, there are applications uh, in business uh, for it. Um, if, you know, there's there's such things in, uh, in, in uh, uh, blockchain as smart contracts that can trigger different kinds of settlements or, or different kinds of activities. And, uh, and right now those settlements are typically uh, in cryptocurrency because that's what's on a blockchain platform. But, you know, it, it's... That's not the primary application, you know, from from a business standpoint, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I I, I just I, I don't spend a lot of time concerning myself with the uh, with with the cryptocurrencies. So you're more more spend more time psyching up for the Bears like five national TV games next year. Yeah, that would that would do it for me, man. That's going to float my boat. Is uh, <laughs> can the Bears? You know, it's one thing to embarrass yourself in private every week to just Bears fans, but. You know, if you're really going to do it right, you have to get out there and show the nation how bad you are. <laughs> well, they actually, what, man, they have like 13, 12 o'clock games, though, right? So those are nobody wants to watch. Yeah, anyway, it'll be interesting. Anyway, thank you, Kevin. Have a good weekend. SP Futures now up 60. NASDAQ Futures up 251. We're sure acting like maybe there was a bottom yesterday. Maybe it was. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! 
The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Now, I'm always just Mr. Matt Weber and the board. SP Futures now up 54. We just dropped five. I mean, they're still kind of moving all over the place. NASDAQ Futures over up 239. It's a huge, huge bounce. It's got to be pushing 500-point bounce in the low yesterday. Uh, we'll see if that is a long-term low or just as a bear market rally. We'll see. Uh, Mr. Carl, how are you? Well, you know, it's an interesting morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's been this debate going on on the... Uh, on my forum for a while about the the whole Powell and uh, interest rates and and economic uh, forecast side of things, and I don't know if you remember uh, back about two three months ago when the smoking hot CPI prints started showing up, which were kind of obvious were going to happen because the PPI, of course, always weeds that, right? I mean, yep. you know, you, you start out with things that you produce and then you end up with things you sell. <laughs> and I said, Powell is up for reconfirmation. He's not going to do anything that is actually going to upset anybody until after that's over. Because he has to, I mean, there has to be a vote in the Senate. Well, the vote happened yesterday. So now he's not the chair pro tempore anymore. He is the chair again for the next few years. And um, anybody that thinks that that twaddle that he spewed about 75 bips being off the table, uh, you're wrong. Uh, could be. Yeah, you're wrong. I, the, the reality is, is that when when you look at it, I mean, the reality is that you have to have an inflation rate in order to stomp on an inflation rate. Interest rates have to be higher than the forward inflation rate. Period. Okay, um, because otherwise, otherwise, borrowing money is a money making thing. Just the act of borrowing money makes money. All right, and that means that you can run a company that produces nothing. It's a literal cash furnace. And yet, it shows great earnings. E goes up, stock price goes up. Everybody loves you, and the whole thing's a scam. And and I have pointed this out for but <laughs> all the way back to before I wrote Leverage. And it's one of the reasons I wrote Leverage is that if you look at where non-financial corporate debt was when the interest rate picture turned from higher to lower, so that would have been the early 1980s. Non-financial corporate debt stood at a trillion dollars at that point in time. Well, August 1982, I was standing right there, Carl. Well, it's non-financial corporate debt, outstanding, stood at one trillion dollars. Okay? That's, you know, that doesn't count banks, doesn't count financial, it's just, this is people that make things. Okay. Today it's 12. Yeah. And you know what? Every bit of that E in the P-E ratio has been fueled by that expansion of 12 times. Not 12%, 12 times. And in the last 
year and a half or so, it's up 20%. Well, I know. From 10 to 12. And, and this is $2 trillion. And where did that all show up? Plus a multiple, plus whatever the multiple is. Where did that all show up? It showed up in stock prices. Well, absolutely. Well, you also had your your, your stocks are going to be worth, when your interest rates were 12, I'm going to say as high as 15 in the CDs, you, you, every, the stocks had a, had a P ratios of whatever because they, they could never compete with the fixed income market. Well, yeah, there's there's displacement, okay, both ways. I mean, what would you rather own, right? But the the other the, <laughs> the, the salient point here is not just how many people want to buy, how many people want to sell. The, the bottom line is why do you buy stock? You buy stock because the company makes money. Right, I mean that's, well, that's uh, the expectation. Is it not only it, if it's not making money today, the expectation is it will make money tomorrow. Well, I, I think uh, I, I don't know if I ever I've gone this over this a few times, but all these all these models, these financial models, even even the uh, you know even the ones that are they're pretty much God, God gospel, which is you know your 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 income your capital asset pricing model essentially says. Given your rate of interest, get, tell me how much you're making. I'll tell you what the place is worth. Right? I mean, this is this is basic. You know this, right? Uh, well, I think that one of the issues, Carlos, is the model, just like option models, at the ends, at the extreme, don't work. Right. That's so, correct. So when when you're in, when your your rate of uh, one of my then girlfriend, still friend Robin, she's been on the show a few times. I think she claims she got the tippy top. She went down to uh, the then then powerful Continental Bank. Maddie, get this. I think she got 15.5 on a nine-month CD. <laughs> That's a number. Well, you got to love that. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, and I've said this several times, I, I wish in the early 1980s I'd had some money. Of course, I didn't because I was a young whippersnapper out of high school and oh, had no too. cash and was trying to, you know, claw my head above water in a high-inflation environment. Uh and, and not drown, but boy, was buying thirty-year treasuries at that time the trade of a life. When I started on the trading floor, Carl, for those, for those, I'll trade as, as brief as possible. When you when you look at the ten years, the one everybody talks about now, but it used to be the thirty because they took the thirty, right. they retired to thirty for a while, and they brought it back. And it's never it trades, okay, but it's it's not the the monster number like the ten is, okay. But now there's there's I'm going to say a gazillion bonds of 30 years, and, and all this stuff. Anything, anything in trades of the future is deliverable, right? Well, maybe not everything, but just about everything. And that's what causes the future price to match up with the cash. Right? I'm not going to go into that, crap, but isn't that right? But if if you if you can't deliver your soybeans, if you if you if you owe soybeans to the futures market, then there's never any real reason for the futures price to match the cash price up, right? Except you drive in the front door and here's my five thousand bushels, stick it up your behind, right? Type of thing. So that that's what causes those prices to come together like they're supposed to, correct? Well, but we used to get because I was a member of the board of trade at the time, the thirty year bond. I'd get a I'd get a hunk of paper with maybe twenty pages in it. They're all lists of bonds that you could you could deliver for the thirty year bond if that's the one you happen to have. So if you had this QCIP number. Instead, and the bond was a hundred thousand dollar bond. I'd have to deliver ninety nine point nine nine four of that bond, 
right? Another one, I have to deliver a hundred thousand and, and eighty cents of that. But anyway, so it's it's a very complex system. But that particular bond was the one you traded was an eight and a half percent bond, eight and a half, right? Now we're we're what three in the ten year now, twenty thirty year. So, and I think the low tick on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the low low tick was sixty five and a half. Yeah, it sounds about right. Which means it was the the thirty was a, there was a massive inverted curve, curve Carl. The the thirty never never made it to the ninety year CD fifteen percent number. I'm going to say the thirty year, the thirty year topped out at where where would that be? It's a add add a third to that, so twelve point eight something like that. Yeah, but but think but think about you know how many people thought you were goof for buying a twelve percent coupon with a fifteen percent CPI, right? At, at two years later, the CPI is eight. Yeah. All right, and you're sitting there going, for the next thirty years, I'm getting a twelve percent check. Bite me. Well, <laughs> you, you 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 are, but you aren't, because the minute it goes to a hundred, uh, the market value. This is this is what you know. It's, it's we we, we can well, trade. Right. It. Somebody yeah. somebody calls it right. No, it's not callable. But but once it's trading one ten, well, you sell it. it. You sell it. Yeah. But right. Right, but uh, but uh, I mean, but you paid sixty five for it. Right. Oh, it's it's an incredible deal. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying you know there are people who bought them directly and sat on them for the entire thirty years. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and just banked the coupon payments. Right. Oh yeah. But yeah, if you were buying them in the open market, you didn't do that. They went to one hundred ten. You sold them. Oh, absolutely. Well, plus I mean, what I'm saying at that time, if the day before the market rallied, and this is where I'm going to kind of joust with you a little bit and. And the the Fed strategy, but the would you uh would you if you at the time were to say plus I I started the business a year and a half before that I was for my little account I started with ten grand Carl you could actually start with ten grand in your account and trade on the floor in those days and on a little badge not a big badge I was on a little badge but it, it taught you how to do it you got to hear your voice yelling out for a trade which is not normal for people to do and uh, so it took me a while but then I ended up with got a backer got a blue badge and you know everything was okay after that so. But the uh, I was long. I'm thinking this, this can't be like this. These, the stocks that were left, there was only 125 optionable stocks. The stocks that were left were all making money and, and paying good dividends. And I'm thinking, God, if this interest rate ever drops a little bit, I mean, I don't see it going any higher than here. If it ever drops even a little bit, these stocks are incredibly underpriced. They're way too cheap. Yet, but if you had gone into a one of Matty Weber's you know cocktail parties, everybody's got their little pinky in the air. If you were to say Hey, uh, I'm going to get rid of my CD tomorrow. I'm going to go try and find my mutual fund salesman. I hear he's painting houses now. <laughs> I'm going to go buy a mutual fund. They'd have, they'd have trundled you out the front door in a straitjacket. They said, what are you saying? Oh, yeah, but, that, but this is always the way it works at yeah. inflection points, okay? Everybody's always all in on one side of the table, and then it tips over on them. And it's, it's, what, I, what I think is so interesting is the number of people, you know, just, just I mean, I... I you know, brag maybe a little bit. The people that tend to be on my form tend to be a little ahead of the, you know, of the stupid, right? But there's always a little bit of it everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter who you're hanging out with. And the number of people that I have that are running around saying, but there's no possible way that we're trading 1576 again. And I say, um, okay, so in the last four or five years, you know, back before the crash in 2008, all right? So we're not even talking about the, you know, the 666 low in the early part of 2009. We had 1576. 
where were interest rates at that time and where are interest rates today on the 10-year they're pretty close to the same so tell me why we're trading at 4,000 well you you lose all track Carl I think you lose all track of your fundamentals and your models when things are just going up and and you look at the and you see the Fed pouring money in they think I, I some of them probably do and I you know I don't I don't, don't want to give them an economics test because I I fear some wouldn't pass but uh, I wouldn't give it to them I'd have held it because I couldn't give them a test but I I, I get the point they, they they honestly believe that when they pour money into the system that it's it's going to you and me and Maddie. I think well, so. well, of course it's not. Right? It's not. It just. I mean, it, but, but you know, Chief, that's the thing. Inflation. Inflation. You can control how much credit you emit into the system. You can't control where it goes. No, but when, but I think after all these times, after watching two thousand, when they put so much money in the system because the. Everybody's going to blow up with Y two K. Y two K, right? But every every time the Fed has done something by pouring money in the system, starting in nineteen sixty eight, put. I mean, if I knew how to do this, I mean, I, I'm sure you can. If you were to take a graph of these money supply bulges and drop a, a graph of the mo- stock market on top of it, and 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 push it out eight months or put whatever it's an eight months delay, they exactly match up, damn near. I mean, how, how do they not know that after this period of time? It's not. It's it's not like I mean if you, if you and I stick our finger in the frying pan and burn it once well the tenth time we're still going to burn it hopefully we'll we'll learn somewhere along the way you know I just I just don't understand when when, when I mean the data is right there in front of everybody's face I right? I mean the, the, what has happened in the corporate world over the last you know, 30, 40 years. Is, is two things. Number one, it's expansion of leverage. Nobody pays a bond off. Nobody in the corporate world actually retires a bond. Well, they all roll them over. That's why that curve goes from the lower left to the upper right like it does. And oh, by the way, it's an exponential curve. If you look at it, the shape of that thing is parabolic and it has gone into the blow off phase. Okay, how far does that go before it collapses? Nobody knows, but it will collapse because it always does. The the world is not infinite. The sky is not infinite. Trees do not grow to the moon. That that just doesn't happen. Okay. So at some point, this thing folds back, and we are now seeing that. But there is nobody in the business today, except for maybe people like you, and and myself to some extent. Even though I'm not an investment you know person, investment advisor, whatever have you. All the all of the people that are forty or younger have never seen in their conscious life a market that doesn't have ever lower interest rates. Right. Ever. They've never seen it. The last group of people that saw that were the folks that were running money back in the nineteen seventies when it turned on them and they got their head handed to them going into the nineteen eighties. Right. And every one of those people and you know, you figured out all about what happens when the market just kind of sits in the same place for twenty or thirty years, or goes down. And, and and the only thing you got is dividends. And if you can't manage to print some dividends up out of whatever you're operating, you got a zero because nobody wants to go anywhere near you. Well, it, but it gets. I think it's, it sort of gets worse, Carl. And that everybody starts. We, we mentioned earlier. Uh, I want to ask you about it too. This this Pelantier people making all this money selling the stock. Well, yeah. Well, but I'm saying, but now this is, is sort of, and I, 
I'm going to I'm going to be talking general terms here because I'm not staring at their balance sheet, but I'm going to say that from between when did we well this mess start with the COVID was two years ago, 2020. I'm going to say that between 2010 and 2020, United Airlines had the best decade they've ever had. They they couldn't wish for a better decade. I mean, it, yeah. And I I went through the numbers one day, and Matty was 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 had bored him silly one day by giving us all this stuff to him. I said, you know, these guys made I don't know how many billion dollars cash, how much came down in income or whatever, but they bought all the profit they made, virtually all of it. They bought stock back, which adds to what you're just saying. Is that's another new wrinkle in the money going into the leverage kind of thing. You and I, I suppose the three of us got on the board. We'll bring Matty with. He's he's intelligent enough for these these days. What if we were to say, hey, you know that billion dollars we just made? Why don't you guys humor me and let's let's buy one plane, just one? Well, yeah. Can you can you humor me? Well, how about every year going forward, we we actually just pay cash for a plane instead of buying a stock back? Would would, would that be like putting a stink bomb in church or what? I mean, what? To me, that's so obvious. <laughs> Am I just, I just old from the south side or what? To me, wait a minute. Instead of buying stock back, why don't we like pay cash for the next two planes? So we don't have the lease on them. Right. You don't have. You don't have. Yeah. Well, because because leverage is the. And as long as you can continue to roll the debt over at an ever lower price, this makes the e go up on your earnings reports because all you're paying is the financing cost. The the other number, the, the total debt outstanding number, oh, nobody pays any attention to that. That doesn't mean anything. The, the, the debt to equity rate, that doesn't mean anything. Debt to income, debt to operating income. That doesn't mean anything. How many, time, how many times debt do I have out against my operating income within the company? That, which, by the way, tells you how long would it take for me to actually pay it off if I wanted to do that? Well, you're, you're describing uh, on the federal level, and I think some of it is leaked down to the company level, because every single time there's any little bit of a crisis... I mean, even even nine uh, eleven. I mean, United Airlines went out of business, right? Okay, so right. but here's a company that's in business for sixty five years, and something bad happens for essentially two months, and they're broke, and they're done, right? They're because done. they because, well, because the, hey, listen, cash cash flow is right, but this is but this is what happens when you allow this engineering to go on, and then you add on to this. It, and this dovetails into what you were talking about in the first hour about Twitter and the bot accounts and things like this. Okay, you think about what is going on today in t- just two places. First, we have a diesel fuel crunch. Why? Because we're exporting diesel fuel to Europe, so they don't have to buy Russian oil. So because diesel, because Russia and Ukraine got into a war, which by the way we. It had a lot to do with provoking, but uh, you know, leave that aside. They they have, they have a little dust up going on over there. Right? It's bad. War is not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. But all of a sudden, we because we don't care about anything except where the last dollar can go. If there's a guy, if there's some schlub over in Europe somewhere that's willing to pay eight dollars a gallon for diesel fuel, by God, I'm gonna sell it to him well, sure. because it, I can only get five for it here in the United States. All right. So why would I not sell it for eight? Well, guess what happens when you do that? It becomes eight here in the U.S. Well, yeah. All right. Now here's the other problem. Over the same thirty years, and uh, this goes back when when my daughter was born. Do you know what they sent her home with from the hospital? 
Of diapers, Just a guess. At, diapers at ten bucks a throw. A bag of infant formula. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because well, you know what? If mom does not use her breasts in the first week or two of that infant's life, her milk dries up. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm, right? I'm well, no expert, but I now don't. she's dependent on that formula. So the doctors and the hospitals conspired together, and they've been doing this for decades. All right, this is not a new thing. They send every new mother home with a bag full of free samples of, oh, oh, it's so wonderful. Listen, you don't have to worry about having this baby left onto your chest all day long. Oh, gee, isn't that nice? And then at the same time, Abbott and everybody else conspire together. There are exactly four plants in the United States that make infant formula. Four. One of them is run by Abbott. That one had a quality control problem. There is some dispute over whether or not they actually were a handful of kids that got very sick and two died. And it was tra- and they were feeding that particular brand of formula coming from that plant, and they shut the place down. So now we've taken 20, better than 25% of the capacity out of the system after we have deliberately addicted mothers and their infants to this stuff. And then if that's not bad enough, we have this problem on our southern border. So guess what? The Biden administration takes pallets of this stuff in a supply-constrained environment and sends it down to Texas so that some Mexican person or some other person who comes across the border with a kid has something to feed said kid. Now, may I point out that that mother, along with that child, not only illegally entered the country, but did so without any means to feed their baby. And yet, American citizens get the back seat. Why? Because there's only so much supply. So what happens when there is more demand than supply? Price goes up. Duh. And this is where we are. This this contamination incident happened in the first part of February. It's May. That plant's still offline. It has not been allowed to restart. And I, thought they were, I, thought they were restarting, chief, I thought they were starting yesterday. Well, you know what? Okay, they're just starting it yeah, back up yeah, now. Yeah. As of a couple of days ago, no. Um, but here's the, but here's here's the amusing part of this. Okay, they shut down twenty five percent of the formula plants in the United States because two kids died. How long was it after they started stabbing people in the arm for the, the by the time the second person fell over dead after getting the shot? Well, I uh, as you know, and this is partially your fault, by the way. Um, I'm getting more conspiratorial on this stuff. Plus, I, I mean, I, I sometimes can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. But I, I, all the stuff I remember from way gone by, which is, which is, I guess, is a talent, Carl. But it's also a, a very a serious burden. When you just brought this up, I, I, I wonder, you, were you in Chicago in the the Dean the Dean Milk fiasco? No, I don't think so, but I remember hearing about it. I mean, uh, Maddie, you'd have been probably way too young, but they've. You know, there, there was all kinds of, there were big dairies, right? And they were all kind of, some of them were concentrating at the time. And I think Jewel owned this place out in Hillside. It was this huge dairy. I think it was Dean's. And everybody, Jewel and other people sold Dean's milk, and it was a big competitor to whoever. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, they they decided that uh, there was some milk coming out of there that was, something was toxic about it, right? I don't, I don't think it was botulism, but it was something that, and they shut the place down, which, and everybody else got their foothold in all the places that was selling Dean's milk. And I think, I, I think after like six months of trying, Carl, 
I don't think they ever found anything in that plant that remotely said that there was anything wrong with the plant, and I don't think they ever opened again. Well, you know, but this is, I mean, uh, th- that's one of the things that I find most interesting about this whole deal with Abbott and, you know, and, this, and the, the formula plant is that they found contamination in non-product areas, okay? You know, so the office, right, the farm yeah. office. There was no contaminant, according to the company, I, of course, you know, who knows who's telling the truth when something like this happens. Because, you know, lawsuits are flying all over the place when you've got dead kids. So, but the claim is that there has been no contamination found in any of the samples. That they went through all the stuff that they had. I mean, they, they voluntarily recalled a whole bunch of stuff. But they went through and they sampled everything, plus all the stuff that they hold back on a normal basis for that specific purpose to be able to do post you know post sale testing and they found no contamination in any of the product any of the product they produced at all so you know who knows exactly what the reality is i mean let's let's face it once you open the can things could get into the can right i mean you know that's the reality of it is that once it's you know once it's been sold and opened it's not the manufacturer's problem anymore or at least it shouldn't be but this is, you know, I don't, when you get down to it, what, it, what my problem with all of this is the same situation we have with oil supply and with fuels, energy, and, and in general across the board, which is that if Twitter has, and, it's, and it applies to all these firms, if Twitter has 10% of their accounts are fake, okay, and, and they're not real, then by selling advertising against that base, that's fraud. Well, sure it is. Okay, so here's the problem. This has been going, Facebook got caught doing this how many times? I mean, was this three or four times in the last ten years? They've been caught overstating user counts? All right. Well, guess what? You sell advertising against this. That's the entire point of these companies. That's how they function. So this is fraud. And if you know about it and you don't disclose it, it is a crime. You are intentionally inducing people to spend money under false pretense. That is fraud. It is a criminal act. It is a felony. And nobody goes to prison for committing felonies in the corporate world anymore. Oh, your, buddy, your buddy, Jan Flanagan, got me at a huge rant yesterday. Anybody who thinks that the legal system is not set up to, to you, you can't win if you're not big enough. I mean, it, it, well, and and you know what? I, there's there is you know, Pfizer was tried to keep their trial data secret for seventy five years. A judge told them to go to blank, and and you must release this. So now there's these huge document dumps showing up, and there are people analyzing this stuff. I haven't gone through it myself, but there are allegations that are out there that several of the alleged trial sites were entirely fabricated and the evidence that that is in fact was in fact the case is actually quite strong they have the sponsoring physician who is the person who has to do the intake on every one of these drug trials it it magically manages to be omnipresent in multiple places at once and he's putting 3,000 people into a trial in three days which is absolutely impossible for a person to have actually done well, I mean, it's talk about that after break. SP Futures up fifty four, and Nasdaq Futures up two thirty five. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you listened to the Lou yesterday, Matty. I don't know if you did, but we'll review a little bit of it. You know that drug case that the Bears sent against um, football NFL? It got tossed because of statute of limitations. That would that would never happen if 
one one side didn't have a bunch of big people and the other side a bunch of little players. Just saying. In one man's opinion. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howley. He's Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP futures up 57. Nasdaq futures up 244. Now futures up 308. Individual stocks. American Express up four. Amgen up four. A lot of guys, uh, everybody, uh, Caterpillar up two and a half, CVX up two because oil's up. We've got, uh, CRM Salesforce up 358. So everybody, everything's green here. Uh, except for gold. Gold is not green. Uh, it's the only one that's, that's not green. Over in Asia, we've got big rallies. Nikkei up 678, 2.6. Uh, Shanghai up 29. That's a full 1%. Hang Seng up 518, 2.7. I don't think that puts Hang Seng or, or Nikkei even for the week, but I will look. Uh, over in Europe, rallies here as well. Uh, DAX up 222, 1.6%. FTSE up 129, 1.8. 
Keck round up 112, 1.8. I cautioned everybody with this big rally here today. Yesterday we were down so low, it sure didn't look like a rally was ever going to happen. So uh, the rally sure did, and now you know, don't exactly count on this one until the day is over. Uh, I'll be happy if it closes here, not necessarily that it starts here. And what they say, Maddie, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? That's right. Uh, Ten-year up 838 basis points, 2.9, but the bond up 3 to 0.90, going maybe back to one uh, full point. Uh, Japan unchanged at at, uh, 0.25, and again, that's what's causing a lot of the currency manipulation, not manipulation, gyration up and down, because the Japan rate has not moved and everybody else's is moving all over the place. Uh, Yesterday, we were down 103, just after the rally. Down 103 in the Dow had been down, I'm going to say six. S&P down five, it was down probably 65. NASDAQ up six, and I'm going to say they were down probably 300, somewhere in there. Uh, oil up a dollar 99, 108.12. Brent up a dollar 93, 109.38. Natural gas up three cents, 7.77. Our bottom up a whole dime, 3.89. Uh, that will not be good Sunday morning when I'm filling up the Suburban. Uh, gold down 13 bucks, 18.11. Was two thousand dollars two weeks ago. Silver uh, down 15 cents, 20, 60, 61. I'm going to say they were 22 something uh, a couple weeks ago. We got crypto back tw- up 2100 to se- 30,708. So for now, the pending uh, crisis in crypto, where people might have to liquidate some stuff, seems to be over. We'll see if it stays over. Maddie, we got for us traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. That earlier crash on the outbound Bishop Ford. At 159th Street is all clear, but then, of course, we have a new crash on the Bishop Ford. This time on the inbound side, uh, right uh, before Stony Island, uh, there's a crash that's now blocking the two left lanes and causing uh, significant delays as you're coming inbound on I-94. So keep that in mind if you're coming in from the south side. uh, You'll run into a slowdown there at Stony Island on the uh, Bishop Ford Expressway. No issues on the Ryan. Traffic building on the Stevenson and Eisenhower, but no accidents to report. Same for the Kennedy. We do have a crash on the Edens. It looks like uh, southbound uh, Edens uh, heading into downtown before Tower Road, which is exit 31. There's a crash blocking the left lane. Apparently a car hit a wall, and now we have stop-and-go traffic on the inbound Edens. Lakeshore Drive is looking good in both directions, and uh, that's it as far as traffic is concerned. Relatively quiet for a Friday outside of those two accidents. Weather today... Lots of sunshine, another beautiful day, a high of 80 degrees. Right now it's crystal clear and 72 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 97 today. Right now it's clear and 62. In sports, White Sox were blown out late by the Yankees last night as the Yankees broke open a 7-7 tie in the 8th and ended up winning 15-7 down at Guaranteed Rate Field. Cubs were off last night, as were the Diamondbacks. Those two will square off down in the desert tonight. That's an 8.40 Chicago time first pitch, and that game will be carried exclusively on Apple TV+. Plus. Chief? Uh, we're not, we can't even get that in a bar, right? Uh, well, if a bar has a subscription, you can. Four ninety nine uh, a month, as far as I know. They're losing me. They're losing me. Um, this is like when the White Sox went on cable when the city wasn't wired. Well, this isn't a team thing. This is an MLB thing. So it's uh, it's every week they have uh, two Apple TV Plus games. So every team gets featured on it. The White Sox were on it last Friday. Cubs are on it for the first time this Friday. And uh, Apple paid a bunch of money to ma- to Major League Baseball and said we we're, we're going to get you know twenty games or whatever it is, fifty games, uh, exclusively on our channel to try to get more subscribers. And MLB probably said, great, we'll take the money, and and that's it. 
Um, so it's a, it's a Friday night thing, uh, exclusive, similar to what NFL did with Yahoo and with uh, Amazon. Um, I'm thinking the NFL is doing better than any of these other leagues, and they're the ones that are still on free TV. That's true. Uh, but they, they do have the exclusive thing with Amazon that they've been doing and Yahoo where they'll do a, a, a random game here, and that's what MLB is trying to do. Uh, and, and Apple's willing to pay for it if they can get a, a handful of subscribers to, to get it for four ninety nine a month and then maybe like some of the other shows on there, then it's worth it for them too. Well, they keep farting around with the first four, four Thursday night games, and then they always come back to that didn't work, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I do think that for... You know they should still be carried on a local free TV channel in yeah. in Chicago. I'm surprised that they're not doing that. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, so, hey, um, do we want to be as uh, we, we we're not going to lower ourselves, are we? Uh, since it's the first warm weekend, they have over under on the shootings in Chicago. Do we don't want to? We don't want to go. Oh, there. come on now, go go. You, you know, you guys. <laughs> well, you live there. I still follow this. You know about Hey Jackass, right? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, go, there, I go there every week. I, every Monday, I kind of review think, it on the show. Yeah, I think Chief is the main reason why that site does so well. He's on it so much. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, there's there you go. But, uh, you know, May to date, uh, just looking at it here, I've shot and killed 22 and 111 wounded. Yeah. So, you know, week in progress. Uh, so nine of the of those are this week so far since the 8th. Uh, and 53 of the wounded. So, you know, I mean, hey, uh, you know, it's about half and, yeah, nine homicides. It's, I, I have to, uh, one of the things that I always think is, is fun is that, you know, shot in the junk is one of their, uh, <laughs> one of their entries. Well, they got the shot in the estimator, too. Well, we did hit. Yeah, they got that. Yeah, they got both, you know. But yeah. We hit a thousand shootings, I think, yesterday, either yesterday or the day before. So I think it was May 12th. And it was actually a later date this year than last year. So last year we had a thousand shootings, I think, late April. Uh, so I don't know if we're trending in the right direction or not, but it is still very bad compared to what it was, you know, ten years ago. You know, it's it, when when I, I I lived in the Chicago area for thirteen years and still call it my sentence to some extent. You know, simply because of the <laughs> you know the fun and games with the political environment, and everything else there. But I, I cannot imagine. Living in that in that town today, I just well, there's can't. there's several things that have changed, Carl, and this is I don't know. It's, well, it's not gonna be politically correct, but it's the truth. First of all, if I had whoever does hey jackass, if I had him on the show, I would have to say you're clearly missing the point. On the weekends, from Friday night to, to Monday morning, they'll they'll list every single shooting, the person's age, the sex, where they died right. or not, and the address. And then they for the rest of the week, they just they don't do that. Well. It used to be because there weren't very many shootings during the week. Well, now it's at a point where... Nine more. Yeah, so they, they really need to do that seven days now, unfortunately. Um, but I, it just... I don't know... The the neighborhoods have changed. If you looked at it five years ago, it was pretty much 99% in the hood. Now, there's... People live river north, which in some areas, is, some blocks is the highest price spot in the city. There's been ten of them there this year within three blocks of these people's houses. That never used to happen. And plus, the, the middle of the day, it, th- it used to be it was always at night. Now it's the middle of the day is free game. Be, every day there's somebody shot at noon, at one o'clock, and, you know, in public places where other people are walking by. So there's, oh, I know. there's been know, dramatic. I mean, uh, you know, that, that core, the corridor from Magmile all the way up to, you know, Addison and maybe a little, a little further north of that was reasonably safe. Yeah. 
Well, the loop was okay. The loop. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you know it wasn't that nobody ever got mugged because they did, but in general, uh, you know, there was there, my favorite sushi place that's gone now is called Ito Sushi on Halstead. Yeah. Right. And and uh, I used to walk back to my apartment from there all the time. It was, you know, the, the hell, it was, you know, three quarters of a mile. And I never thought anything about doing that at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Well, this, the, the uh, social change, uh, count and business change is so dramatic in, in the sense that I don't think our, oh, I don't want to go into our president, but with the infrastructure program, I don't, I don't think they get it. The idea of having of improving rail and all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, dovetails in what you were just saying about gas prices, because the one defense you have against thing like that is really solid public transportation, right? Which right. is which is non-existent. Well, but but here's what's happening. It used to be when you know when I was young, or not even that young, you wanted your place in the loop because you could get here for a dollar each way from every spot in the right. city, and the, and, the, and the transportation was pretty darn good. But it used to be well, this is, yeah. It was one of the reasons that I moved my office down into Prudential. Yeah, it was pretty well, it was I mean, it, it was it was not so much because it was a prestigious address. It was because all the people that worked for me could get there for a dollar. Well, we, you, my aunt, you know, she didn't have any money. I mean, my family didn't. We used to leave from the south side. We get on the, the green, which is now the Green Line, Inglewood. We used to be. We'd get on. We'd be the only white people on there. We never had a problem. Never even dreamed we would have a problem. Well, well, rush hour was 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 a lot of white people because they would they would take the bus, the sixty third street bus, and then head west to the to the, the quote the white neighborhoods. But there, there was never an issue. If, if I was fourteen years old and I got on the the train and there's there's fifty black guys, I, I it never even crossed my mind I would have a problem. I mean, there was none. There was there would there would be some fights among teenagers, in, you know, in areas that were. But I mean, the thought of anybody bothering you. And the idea was, when you when you were in the basement, you walked out of the train and you walked into fields without a guard there, right? I mean, right. And so the idea was, you wanted to be where the access was. Now you look at the city; all the building, all the all the offices are now West Loop. Now why? Yeah, I know. I, it's you know, I've driven through there a couple of times. I'm like, yeah. what? Now, but, now why? You know, the other thing is that's bizarre though is that you know the the only thing that I ever cared about, like from the standpoint of public transit. Is that you know there was this unwritten rule that after dark you didn't go past Kaminsky on the you know oh, on the red, line down there the red line yeah oh, yeah yeah well, that's, that was, yeah I mean that's that was just you know Sox thirty five was it that was the, you know it was as far as you went but it, it and the same was true in other you know in other parts of the city too you know you you go past the Kennedy on the and, and uh, you know maybe you don't want to be over there too but there but there was this large part of the town. And this is—I mean, every city has a slum. All right, I don't care where it is. There always have that has been. There's always somewhere that the, the you know somebody's dealing drugs, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. But what what in the devil is going on now? When it, 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 I mean, now the muggings, the robbings, the shootings, the whatevers are everywhere all the time, and and there's just no control over any of it no. at all. That's crazy. No, there's no. The, I think there's like 900 police or something have retired. In a police test, I don't even know if they had 100 people show up. The quality of life is is at an all time low, I would say, in Chicago, and I think. Well, it's, the prices at an all time high, and the prices are at an all time high. <laughs> and I love the city. I love the food. I love the culture. I love the sports. I love the lakefront. All that stuff. And yet, you do wonder. You know, you deal with six months of horrible weather, and then the weather gets good, and th- and then you you're looking over your shoulder every day when you're walking around. It's like, is this really what I want? <laughs> well, we had uh, we can have her on the on the. Uh, 
show hopefully next week. She said she wanted to come in. Uh, we had uh, Mayor of Orland, uh, Carl, is running for all these. Th- th- it's, it's fascinating to me because they've had, we've had this redistricting here. I mean, Maddie hasn't been here to listen to this, but it, it's it's really pretty fascinating. And they've changed a dramatic amount the districts because we lost we lost a person, a person. We lost the we used to be seventeen, now we're sixteen, Maddie, something like that. Uh, uh, U.S. representatives because the population's down, and uh, so all these districts have been seriously redrawn. And uh, anyway, the Orland mayor ran it. When I first heard he was running for it, Carl, I go, what, what the hell is he doing? Orland's not even in the district. Well, it turns out the redrawn district, Orland is right in the middle of the district. Like 40% of the voters are from Orland. So now I realize why he threw his hat in the ring. Plus, he, I mean, he's a, an older guy. When I say older, he's probably 50-ish, late 40. He has a family, veteran, real nice guy. He's done a terrific job as mayor. He's got nothing but, you know, five-star things. And it was the first people to say, hey, get your picnic tables out in the parking lot and your restaurants stay open. That kind of. Anyway, he's a guy, you you would really like him. And uh, now contrast him to this lady, uh, Karen Norrington Reeves, who's African-American. She's running for Bobby Rush's spot. Well, one of the interesting things, and I thought of you a second he said it, Carol, was I said, what, what are you going to do at your age? <laughs> you know, I'm straight up with people. I said, you don't have the time to spend eight terms there looking for a good committee spot. And he goes, oh, no, I'm planning on being there, being a veteran. I plan on being on this, being heard the first year. And he goes, I, there's like 30 people running that I've called that are on both sides of the aisle. I can talk to the other side just as I can on my side. We're, if we get in, we're not, we're not going there to do nothing. We're going there to, we're not going to sit behind, you know, Nancy Pelosi, whoever it is, and just sit there and give me your vote for the first three years, four years. Because I'm not, I can't do that. I don't have the time. The interesting part is this lady right now, she's African American, she lives in Chatham, which is, uh, was, which was a, a middle class black community for like a long time. Single family homes, that kind of thing. And she's got a 17 year old, 11 year old, and she gives this speech, and she's, her background is totally different from Keith, the mayor. And she uh, did one of these public-private deals where they tra- train people for jobs. And she claims in, in however many years they've been there, they've trained a thousand people that are now gainfully employed that wouldn't have been. So well, she, that's that's a positive. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. And she's she, she's one of these people, Carl. That if you talk to her, her eyes light on you when there's nobody else in the room. There's very some people who have that talent and some don't. I mean, she's pleasant as all get out. That doesn't make her you know a representative, but. She gets up and she says, you know, I've lived in Chatham my whole life. She goes, my kids, when they were young, 17-year-old, he'd just go out the front door. He'd be down the block, and pretty soon there's right. eight guys in the backyard playing football. They come in, and I'm giving them all pop and everything. I never even worried. She goes, now, the neighborhood, most of the good people are gone. She goes, but everybody keeps telling me, you got to get out of there. She goes, I'm not getting out of here. This is my home. She goes, that's why I'm running for representative. i got to do something. If everybody just gets the hell out of here, if, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And, you know, I, I listened to her, and I'm going, all I kept thinking about was you and your buddy. Now, suppose these two people, and she's running against 17 people, so there might be five other people there that are better. I've never met them. I, I'm just saying, she seemed like a, somebody, the, the two of them looked to me like they could talk easily, which is kind of what I'm looking for, you know, is for, is for both sides to be able to sit there and say, well, look what we got, what can we do? I could see the two of them sitting down and saying, oh, what do you need, what do you need, and doing something. Now, my question to you is, since you know more about this than me, suppose they both get in, and I interview the two of them four years from now, if we're still doing this, um, are they going to be 
still there? Are they going to be pissed off? Are they going to be gone? Are they able to accomplish anything? You're my only, you're my closest source to that. What do you, is it even possible for the, us to turn this bus around? You know, I don't know. It's it's one of the things. One of the things that get, that's rather interesting is that we have built a, at this point a generational expectation of credit expansion and handouts for everything and that the bill for doing this will never have to actually be paid. And and that has gotten ingrained into a huge number of people. Now interestingly enough, there are a there's a small but significant percentage of twenty somethings who have figured out that this is a scam, they're not going to participate in it. They're going to do what they have to do in order to make enough to do what they want and then they're going to stop and they're going to go off and they're going to do their thing and and they really don't give a blank what anybody thinks about that they could care less and their answer is you come back we'll 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 care about you we'll care about the future we'll care about doing something for the country when you care about us and until then you can go to hell and that's and and that is a logical reasonable approach so there is a lot of pent-up capability within this nation right now among the people that have to be, I mean, you know, when you, you look at it, they have to be the next group that comes in and does it, right? I mean, you know, when you get down to it, if people do get old, they eventually die. That's the way it works. So it's there. But until and unless we see some major changes, and they're, and they're going to come with insane adjustments in asset prices in particular and in what we think we can have, this idea... Is just as one example, you know, you you asked one of the questions was, you know, what other what other industry is like, you know, baby food, where we've got this monopoly that's been created. How about how about energy? How about energy yeah. production, petroleum? If we do not stop with this nonsense about how everything can be green and everything can be beautiful and it's and it's all fine, all of which violates the laws of thermodynamics, you can't get there from here. I don't no. care whether you want to or not; it doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe when the enterprise we are going to have terrible problems. In Star Trek, but there's a there's an economics to this, uh, Carl, and you and I are are stuck in old economics. Uh, and, and I, I'll try to be brief with this. Uh, remember the lady who did the uh, uh, the Loyola student who was uh, the temp for a while, girl Maddie. What's her last name, uh, Maddie? Uh, Maddie. I don't forget, I forget, but real nice girl. I don't remember. Uh, Start with an H, maybe. Yeah, but she she was uh, you know five ten, five nine, pleasant as all get out. One one day we're driving in. And she goes, because I pick her up at the train station, I want to get off downtown. And she goes, well, then my girlfriend went home, and uh, uh, she said, well, her dad had the birds and the bees. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, I'm driving in a 20-year-old. I don't need to, I don't need this story. <laughs> this is not appropriate. Oh, no, don't worry about that. We all figured that out. And I go, well, thanks. <laughs> she goes, the lady is an English uh, student, and she's going to be a teacher. So she goes home to Michigan. The old man sits her down at the dining room table pulls out like a calculator and says, by my estimation, if you're a teacher here in Michigan, you'll pay your student loan off at uh, by age 45 and a half. Right? right. So I said to Maddie, well, so where is she now? Well, she's on spring break. <laughs> the weird part is, in, in my day, um, if, if you somehow or another, which I never, fortunately never did, if I had to borrow 200 bucks to my parents for beer, uh, I'm a, and I had a job. I could get a job at spring break, like I could with the, C, the Chicago Public Schools. I was going to come back and work the week and give them 200 bucks because it right. was. But it, it was a number that I could quote handle. 
but if I owed him fifty grand, <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening, you know, right? Yeah, you know, what's what's the difference if I owe him fifty grand five hundred and go to Florida for a week? <laughs> I mean, it's almost like it's, it's the mentality just changes. So, but the new economics, which you know this, is that it is, as long as the national debt, now the COVID and everything else, not that we were doing it anyway, if the national, if the growth rate every year is four percent for real, which it has never been in a long time, I'm not talking about nominal for real, and we can get the the, the growth of the national debt to be three percent, if you just get out your calculator and string it out, twenty five thirty years from now. We're not in that bad a shape, and we're in striking distance. The problem is, it's so easy to push it off yet another year, yet another year. That all we do is lose. We we further and further behind because the discipline just well, isn't there. Yeah, but this is you know. But again, this is a mentality that is not just in the government; it's in corporate America. And you know, and I go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. All you got to do is go onto Fred and pull up non-financial corporate debt. Click the max button and take a look at the shape of that curve. Okay, yeah. and that tells you. And, and everybody always says the same thing. You know, the federal government never pays anything off. There, you know, nothing ever. I, I lived in Northwest Florida for twenty years. When I got there, it was maybe eight or nine years after they had built this bridge. The it had a toll on it. The the promise that was made to the people who lived there when it was built, which was before I lived there, was that. This toll is to pay off these bonds. When these bonds are paid off, then the tolls are lifted, and the state's going to maintain the bridge anyway because it's part of the state road system. Did okay, they use, on a state road on both ends of the bridge. Okay, so, you know, they're going to repave it, whatever. Did they use Fine. the verbiage from the tri-state tollway? They could have used the huh? same... Did they use this, the wording from the tri-state tollway? They could have just... Yeah, pro- probably exactly <laughs> the same wording, yeah. and, and they got it authorized and passed. Well, you know what? Then uh, a couple years after I I moved there, hey, the tolls start going up. Why the tolls keep going up? Well, the, uh, you know, and then the next refinancing comes, and they don't they don't just roll the bonds over. Oh no no no, we've got to you know we've got to do this, we got to do that. All of a sudden, there's five times as much debt out in this thing that there was yeah. when they originally built it. Yeah, well, there's always another lane. Always, Kyle, I got a qu- uh, We don't have we got a couple minutes. Um, we have two minutes, as my producer just confirmed. Uh, this. And I'm, I'm on a U.S. debt clock. I know I can skip around with you because you move quick enough. Whenever when they were sending out the numbers here, savings per family when you and I started doing the show were probably in the seven thousand dollar range, and personal debt per citizen was probably fifty. Okay, this is if you average it. Well, with all the PIP, not the PIP, the PPI numbers that came out and all that crap, uh, this savings per family number ballooned to fifty five thousand. And you can, yeah, they could bite me. Well, but I'm saying the guys from the bank, who's the, the goofball, who's the goofball, the guy who's the head of Bank America, the guy, I don't believe, like, if he told me it was raining, I wouldn't think I wouldn't believe him. But talking about how all the people have so much money and there's so much money out there, and by the way, there's no way there's going to be a recession, even though we already have one quarter now. But I'm saying since last year, the savings per family has dropped precipitously from the 55000 back down to thirteen. People have right. totally burned through whatever... I mean, not not the people who got the big chunks of PPI money that you know the scavenger company that got the million dollar. They didn't burn through it yet, but regular people Chief, have totally burned through this money already. Chief, did you see the, the did you see the consumer credit report that came out the end of last week? Uh, well, it's got to be. I'm sitting here with this personal debt is up to sixty nine thousand. Well, the the revolving debt rate was was last month's 
annualized increase was something like 45%. Wow. Okay, I mean, you want to talk about people hitting the wall. And it's, and it was, you know, it, the last few months have been like 16, 18, which, by the way, is way ahead of, of salary, right? Oh, yeah. You know, 15, 16, 18, 40. <laughs> I'm like, um, excuse me? <laughs> if, yeah. If we have, like, no, we got a dash car, but if we have, if inflation stops today, which it won't, we're a decade away from people catching up. Maybe yeah. a decade. And, and, it's, and this yeah. is going to go on for at least another 12 to 18 months because it's in the PPI. E- easy. SP Futures up 54, and NASDAQ Futures up 229. Carl, have a nice weekend. Back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.